0: Hey guys, and welcome back to the Skullcast for episode 47. This is a momentous occasion because it has been more than a year since we last had a new episode of Berserk to discuss. And it feels like it's been even longer than that since it made returning to Falconia a really really, really uh, big moment. This is one thing since the idea of Falconia was really kind of put in our brains and even beyond that when we knew Griffith was looking for his kingdom. this is This is kind of like... A delivering on a promise that was in this't been in readers minds for decades so I kind of wanted to put that in context for for readers that maybe are newer to the series like this is something that's been decades in the making and in what we're finally seeing in these walls what kind of city Griffith would rule over so this was really huge before we get into the actual episode itself um, I wanted to say I really missed having berserk and in, in fact I mean that's kind of an obvious thing I mean I host a Berserk website and I run a Berserk podcast. But I guess what I mean is I had forgotten how all encompassing the series can be for me whenever it's active, whenever there's actually new episodes. The forum just like became like it was, it revived, you know, in the course of a three or four day span. And there's just so much to do on the forum now. There's so many new threads and people kind of coming out of the woodwork and reviving their older accounts to post. So, It's a busy, busy time. All out of you know, almost out of nowhere. So, having not experienced that cycle for more than a year for Berserk, at least it was it was as if I'd been celibate all this time, and then suddenly I was like back in the action. So it's it's been really exciting. (laughs) It Uh, was
1: like you know the Tin Man getting the oil can. You know, yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) totally. There's a thread I created on Berserk Miscellaneous talking about uh, questions for a, a Miura interview. I was thinking about this because it's now this month marks five years since we got a reply from him for that uh, interview request that he granted us. And as awesome as it was that he answered those questions, of course we can think of many more questions to ask him. I think it's been long enough that we can give him a follow up uh, as long as we, as long as the questions are great enough and worthy enough. I think it's going to require a lot more scrutiny. Last time, I probably didn't scrutinize all the questions as, as much as I should have. So this time, I wanted to be very particular about the questions we ask. So I've been doing a lot of research, well, as much as I really can as a non-Japanese speaker, into all the questions that have been asked previously, and both to inform myself of what has come before and also to kind of fill in the gaps, like what haven't they talked about. So
2: I'm doing all a lot of A lot of stuff has been covered, actually, by in previous interviews.
0: Yeah, it really has. And in, in fact, that's what I quickly realized once I I finally got an English translation of the illustrations file uh, interview, which is a massive, massive thing. It's like 4,000 words long. It's huge. really covers a, quite a range of topics. I, I honestly didn't know about it. And I feel English viewers are really deprived of that because there's a freaking German translation, official official one, a French translation, and an Italian translation of that interview, but not one for English fans. So Dark Horse really uh Skip on that ball, which is too bad.
2: Yeah, you know, I always thought, you know, the Distortions had been released in, uh, by Dark Horse, actually. It's funny no. it doesn't.
0: It is weird. I-, I always thought they would once the series kind of got into its swing. And once they, for sure, were going to keep with Berserk, I f- I figured it would eventually come uh, and it just never did. So... Anyway, there's a bunch of interviews from here that are available. You just have to import the Young Animals for them in magazines. And so that's what I intend to do, and maybe we can get some traction on that in the next couple of years or so.
2: I'll just I'll just scan mine if you need.
0: Okay. That would that would save me about $300, so that would be great.
2: Yeah, and I don't think you can find all of them anyway.
0: Oh, yeah. It would take a long time to collect. Some,
2: some are pretty rare. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: well, we'll just go ahead and get into it. I just wanted to kind of have a moment to kind of celebrate that Berserk is back and kind of reflect on it. It's been a long time uh, since we've been back in Berserk. But anyway, episode 334 is the main topic today, the only topic today, really. Uh, and like I said before, this is delivering on a promise that we've had for a long time. But it also is delivering on what our expectations were when we first saw Falconia. You know, when, when we first saw the city emerge, we just got a, kind of a peek at it. We, we didn't get to see beyond its walls, really. We kind of saw an overhead view of like, the tops of the buildings. This episode's more about... Life in the city. What is life like in the city? You know, what, what is it? What's the activity like? What's the day to day type of things? The kind of people that live in the city. And so, uh, but before we get into that, I wanted to say the first page, the scale here of the, the griffin is really just remarkable. The, the tiny little birds that are circling around it. It just gives you the impression of how massive and huge this thing is. Uh, even, even to, to an extent, it's a more effective use of scale than the following page, a two-page spread, just in terms of how big mm-hmm. each of the statues are.
2: Well, it works on, a, on two levels, too, because, like, you see how big it is, and then you see how small it actually is, you know, like, uh, as a part of the, the wall, you know.
0: Exactly, yeah. And then it yeah. zooms out, and then you see the full wall, yeah. Once again, we have this motif, and I wanted to talk about this again. I think I mentioned this in the earlier podcast, but there's this motif here of the falcon above man and then man above creature, and I I I can't imagine that's a coincidence the way that that's arranged because we see that throughout the entire city actually there's all these motifs where the falcon is usually always at the top, Uh and I wouldn't I mean I have to imagine it's implying the kind of natural order within you know the world now or at least what Falcone would like to be the case, just reading into that a bit. This we're really though if you think about it we're only seeing an aspect of the city we're seeing the 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 town or the residential area of. Falconia itself. That's what this whole episode is focused on, which is really just a section of it. You know, we haven't seen the palace or what's beyond those big wings. You know, that's
2: still a a complete mystery to us. We actually don't see much of it, I think. You know, like overall, we see one, you know, like birdshot view, and then it's, you know, pretty specific.
0: Right. Yeah. We see the bathhouse, we see roads, we see the official uh, building where they're getting people are being processed for temporary housing. But I, what I was trying to say was basically the structures that we see in this area of Falconia do have a Roman influence. You know, just look look at look up a Google image of any Roman domicile uh, from that era, and it reflects a you know pretty a pretty one to one. So it's interesting that Mira settled on a specific architectural style for most of these structures. But like I've always said before, Falconia itself, like the actual like the palace part of it the the wingspan aspect is something wholly unique i mean i, I never found an architectural style that really mirrored it it 's just kind of a fantasy design, but this is the realistic portion of that design
2: well yeah the thing is you know when it comes to the greco Roman you know influence in the way the cities you know designed i think it's uh, it ties directly to the fact uh it 's you know resurfaced from the past you know and from Geyseric's, time, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty clear. It's into in the, the dialogue and everything that it's, uh, just the old city having been, you know, resurrected. And we, we had seen in the past that, uh, you know, at that time, you know, it was that kind of architecture, you know, like in volume 10 and everything. So it, it makes sense to me. And, uh, it also, there's a coherence. I think at the time you are also planned it like that. There's a coherence in the fact that things that happened in the past while, you know, these times are you know, more or less based around what the Middle Ages were like. You know, it's it's a uh, it's not exactly you know accurate, but it's some kind of innovation of that. So it's accurate that you know some things that happened you know a thousand years in the past would be more like you know classic uh, antiquity. You know,
1: and also obviously brings it to mind for all the readers. You know, like if you think of a great ancient empire, you, as far as yeah. Western civilization oh, yeah. goes, everyone's yeah. gonna that's just what comes to mind. So this sort of plays perfectly into. Even the you know the idea of people's ideas of what would be right, which, yeah. you know, which is also a part of the plot.
0: Yeah, I think even even in terms of if you look at the grooves in the road where the horse carriages go, even that's like a Roman thing. Like even down to the design of that, which is impressive. But uh, Azil, you mentioned before about how this is the ancient city. I feel stupid because I didn't really accept that that was truth until this episode even though it's been said before Foss said it back in 307 but i guess when he said it that it was the ancient city that was sleeping beneath wyndham had been revived i kind of just took it that he was being fantastical he was kind of grasping at straws to explain what he was seeing you know like if he's thinking about some (laughs) massive city oh it must be that one but i I thought that maybe go
2: ahead go ahead I'm just surprised because the, the, when the city, you know, when we saw the city, the first thing I, I thought is, fuck, you know, like it's the old, you know, capital that's been brought back, you know, like even before reading any text, anything, just because there yeah, are two things. It's, you know, it's a huge city and it, it has, you know, its design is very specific mm-hmm. and yeah, it's, uh, it, it's got this very clear, you know, uh Greco Roman influence. And so that's, that's so, I, I mean, that's still the deal for me, like, you know, from the first glance I, w- I was sure of it And uh, what's interesting is It's been revised but it, it's also been modified Like I can't imagine The the old city was exactly like that You know like of course obviously the falcon motif But yeah. I also wonder if, if uh, You know like the otherworldly palace And that's, those huge walls And everything like the, the, the part we haven't seen yet The part that might be Like supernatural I, I wonder if there was a, an equivalent of that in the past Or if that's a new addition <clears throat>
0: I think it's pretty clearly a fantastical a- a addition to what probably once was a massive city. Like that, I-, I see the city parts that we see the majority of in this episode, that it probably was, I mean, yeah. possibly even one to one what it was a thousand years ago, which is what makes this like so much more interesting to me. That basically, you know, to be a little fanboy for a moment, like these are the streets that Geyseric walked on. That kind of (laughs) stuff, you know.
2: Well, you know, I I think, I remember, I think I I said at the time that it was like a a double, you know, Mm. double insult. It it was adding insult to injury to to him because like, not only did he, you know, uh, inadvertently helped bring this, you know, about, you know, with the sword and the way Femto, you know, played him, but they also took his city and brought it back. And now it's Griffith City. So it's like, you know. Yeah. It's a it's a double fuck you to his face.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, we we had talked about all these things, but uh, again, I hadn't truly accepted that it was the literal. This it was literally the city with some kind of you know magical or astral additions to it until I really looked at the architecture and the way the city. But there's there's one particular detail I wanted to point out on page six and seven. You see what looks kind of like in the in the center or the to the right side of the screen. You see sort of a. Kind of looks like the U.S. Supreme Court building, actually. It looks like a big. Anyway, it has a, it has a facade on the front of it.
2: You can yeah, just, it's a it's a pillared
0: building, very yeah, interestingly. I mean, yeah, exactly. Just to describe it, basically, it's a pillared building mm-hmm. with kind of a triangular uh, facade in the front, and the facade has some some motifs on it. And it has a horse you can see, and then a figure abutting one figure in the middle, and it's then it's symmetrical other than that, which is exactly what we see in Volume Ten: the crumbled structure. Uh, you know, of Geyseric's empire. You know, to me, that was like, zeal was already convinced. I wasn't convinced until I'd made that connection. And then from that, once I realized that there was a connection, I thought, well, how can it, how can I justify this happening other than, well, the world's merged. So it's here. Well, there is some basis for it happening. And it was told to us like long ago in volume 24, I was trying to make sense of this in my head for, for how exactly this, this old city could appear. But remember in volume 24, Shirke is explaining the tree that Flora's mansion uh, is based around was had been dead for hundreds of years, but because it was such a focus of worship at the time that it solidified its place in the astral world, so its existence was solidified not in the physical world, because that had passed, but the astral world still had a kind of an echo of what that place once was, and that's what we see in Volume 24. Well, it must have had the same impression for a place like a city like Geysirik's. I imagine when the worlds merged this place reappeared geographically where it once was and obviously there's some other things happening here because there's falcon motifs everywhere clearly that's a new addition now, now how those things happen probably won't be really be explained but there is at least somewhat of a basis for this happening explained in the Berserk universe now it makes me also think if Falconia is that if that's the case for Falconia are there other regions of the astral world that the God Hand had been cultivating for themselves, other domains, you know, similar to similar to Falcone. What other magical uh, a- astral realms are there that are now in the physical world? If well, I'd like to
1: see. I'd like to see Ubix brought to life.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, his little ram looked, you know, crazy, but uh, by the token, I, I just don't think it could, you know, it could come to to the world, you know. So it would be it would be fun to see guts venturing in a place like that you know
0: like what like whose domain sorry
2: you know ubix you know when we see oh yeah yeah that crazy stuff sure yeah you know that's inspired by you know uh hieronymus bosch you know stuff Mm -hmm. so
1: yeah the what is it the garden of eden and uh yeah that huge three panel painting but uh i don't think we'll see that but uh what you were saying about the city being revived from the past but obviously with modifications it obviously implies a heavy sort of manipulation to restore this city, you know, in this location, but to remake it in uh, in Griffith's image in this case or in the image the God Hand wanted to be in yeah, you know, for whatever purposes. And obviously, like we said, it's the city, but it's also, you know, there's been modifications. I think it's probably also been exaggerated, modernized in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously it's brand spanking new. There's nothing. It looks like there isn't a single flaw. Oh, yeah. You know, none, nothing looks old and nothing looks damaged, you know, it doesn't look lived in. It just it looks sort of if it wasn't, you know, Greco-Roman, it would look, you know, like science fiction, you know, <laughs> I said it before, especially the outside of the walls. Yeah. So totally. it, it's very interesting in that aspect and that, you know, what you said about, you know, you know the tree in the woods is very interesting, but just how it's also it's been not not corrupted, but manipulated, mm-hmm. I guess is the,
2: the right word. Yeah, you know, for for that reason I'm not sure the exact same process, you know, occurred, you know, like, yeah. you know, what happened with the tree for flora, It's more of a natural thing and the fact mm-hmm. she also was there and, you know, there's a whole thing with her domain, you know, being, you know, like, it's, it's almost, we could say it's a, you know, the same process as what happened with the Cliff Force, you know, where it's, you know, some specific part of the Astral World, you know, that could be sealed, you know, stuff like that. Whereas for this city, you know, I wonder, I think it all played when, when Ganishka, you know, exploded and the wave colored everything. I think it, you know, it was brought about, you know, that way. And there's, you know, what says, there's been some manipulation behind the scenes, you know, to bring it about, you know, I think. Also, what you were saying about, uh,
1: insult to injury, uh. Yeah, with uh, Skull Knight. How I mean, how appropriate at
2: the same time, you know, that he held the key. Yeah, yeah, of course. <coughs> it's uh, yeah, it's, it's ironic, especially since you know, like we can only presume, but his city was destroyed. So you know, like there's, you know, he had a city, it was destroyed, and he's brought back by his enemy, and you know, the guy appropriates it. So it's uh, it's really, you know, you know, it reminds me of what Fora said about you know causality being you know a spiral, you know, so. Mm. <coughs>
1: I like to imagine, you know. I mean, it would be obviously fantastic if we got a panel of him, like looking at the city, you know, from the outside. You know, imagining and, uh, him being angry
0: or you know something like that, spitting a tear, on the ground, a tear <laughs> uh,
2: running, running down his face. You know, he's,
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm imagining what he would do, what Skull Knight would do in that situation. <clears throat> I guess he could maybe get work as a stable man. Like, like, what if it was Skull Knight oh, <laughs> under there, that roof? It's
1: all him in, uh <laughs>
0: And diba diba. being roommates
1: <laughs> uh, it would be like Ninja Turtles he'd be wearing like a trench coat you know yeah, so you, yeah, yeah. That he stole that, you know and diba. so <laughs> what's your story <laughs>
0: yeah one thing we haven't mentioned about these two page spreads is on the horizon you can see the world spiral tree kind of branching out and in there's kind of just like light effect happening around it as well with the clouds, and you get the impression that it just looks otherworldly just from looking at the horizon on page uh, six and seven, and you see it again throughout. You know, any, any shot of the sky looks totally magical and just totally alien. And, you know.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say alien. It looks like something horrible is coming, in every shot, like you know, the, <laughs> at the at the very end of the episode, not to jump there when uh, we see the. You know the moment where Rickert you know realizes yeah. you know he's gonna meet Griffith and he's looking out at the palace and you see the the sky behind it. it just makes it look so ominous,
0: well weird. yeah, i mean it's I think it's because it kind of resembles lightning bolts sort of yeah. or or thunder, you know, so or
1: it blood. looks like some huge weird alien storm, but it's also even weirder when you you know realize oh those are like you know
0: the roots of uh, a yeah. ethereal tree you know or the branches. Yeah, which we still don't quite know the significance of, but I, I think for the purposes here, uh, obviously the Moonlight Boy used it for travel, but I, I guess in the, the broader terms of the story, the fact that it, the appearance of that tree and the appearance of this city, it, it's it's like the, this entire region is cementing itself as the center of the world. I mean, I mean, yes, we knew that and we've discussed this before, but I'm just kind of reiterating you know, the significance of the the tree and the city being tied together in some way.
1: What else is interesting for the the scale of the city that I didn't uh, notice until this episode, or I mean, we hadn't had it really confirmed. Maybe it was in one of those long shots, but I didn't see it as clearly as now. It's on page uh, six and seven again. Mm-hmm. You can actually see what looks like sort of the like you know what would be like the Italian hillside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah.
0: Walls. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't know what to make of that actually. Background. I wish we had a little bit more like contextual information about how that works. Like, is there a hill within the wings of the city? I guess because
2: it's the, it's, I mean, the whole it's city's so large. In. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's just, you know, like it's it's so big that uh, there's a, a terrain, you know, that yeah. mm, just grows. You know, maybe that's where, you know, Windham had also some kind of slope, you know, with the castle at the top and stuff like that. And uh, I, I think it's just, you know, like it's encompassed in the city, but the scope is just so big that... You know, like it's probably this kind of city is probably so big you could have missed, uh, you know, on one part in the city and not on the other or stuff like that, you know. Yeah. There's also, yeah I
1: presume well, there's also like natural, you know, water sources and things in there because, I mean, I, I, mean, it's a city they have to sort of literally live in, you know, all
0: the time, walled in from the outside. Yeah. It's a good question about yeah. water source. But actually for water sources, actually you can see an aqueduct on six and seven just at the top of the screen along the horizon kind of spanning left and right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um yeah and Mira made <laughs> made sure to check out all, all his freaking bases on this design. I mean, really, the guy's been busy,
2: yeah, wow, well, same as usual, yeah, but yeah, yeah, <clears throat> the terrain is interesting, and it ties in with the fact that uh you know, like you know at some point you know the old guys you know on the carriage with freaking and stuff are saying like, Oh, wow, you know it's like the whole country's in there, and uh. And yeah, actually, it's, you know, it's, it's probable, it's probable, you know, like, uh, I don't know if the entire country could fit in there, but I think a, a pretty good, you know, part of it could, you know, it's a, it's a megalopolis, the lack like of which, you know, like couldn't exist at the time, you know, and uh it's been realized <clears throat> by Griffith. So what's interesting is it at the same time, you know, it's uh, an unshined city, you know, in design, but it's also so modern to them. And, you know, because of the supernatural elements and, you know, the way things are organized, it's, uh, it's something which is, you know, uh, completely, you know, unseen and unheard of, you know, before, you know, like yeah. Erica is amazed at the, of course, she's lived in the mountains all her life. So she's amazed at the amount of people, but Evan Rickert says that Windham was not like that, you know, was never like that yeah. before, you know. Yeah. I it was thought that was a funny
1: moment when, uh, when they were like, Oh, I can't believe you lived in this great yeah. place. And it's like, ah, it wasn't exactly
0: yeah. like this. <laughs> It was kind of cute to see, like, she, her, she assumed this was what, it, what Rickert knew. And Rickert is just like, he, he can't explain what he's seeing. And, and you know, Robon says the same thing that, you know, I don't quite know what happened either. But here's this massive city. Yeah. Um, On 8 and 9, we get a view of this market, which I thought was, like, really fascinating looking. Because uh, we kind of see the day-to-day of life in Falconia. And there's obviously all the fruits and vegetables that were being harvested in the previous episode full of their uh you know Falconian brand wingstone growth hormones. You know yeah. those, those GMOs. <laughs> uh, I was really like, kind of hoping if you looked really closely here to see some kind of currency being exchanged, like a Griffith Bucks or something. But there's nothing. You know, uh so, using
1: bison money. So you know,
0: I, I, that was what I was basing my bison bucks <laughs> thing on, yeah. Um but you know Maybe currency in this society, in this culture, has like has gone away. You know, it's a self-sufficient city. There's an ever-abundant supply of food on the outside. Water possibly is plentiful. Maybe currency is not necessary, and maybe it's a barter supply system. I don't. I don't know. Well,
2: think you know, that
1: they're going to send. Uh, yeah, Rickert, You know, to be pro. You know, there's this whole processing. Yeah. You know, for process yeah. for lack of a better words, where uh, they're going to find out what your skills are and sort of put you to put you to yeah. best use.
2: Depending on the you know, talent and wishes of, the, of those who come in, but the thing is, you know, I don't know, I think it's a bit early to start, you know, assuming there's no money or anything like that, but yeah, the, the society, you know, from the very fact that... Rippet, it, it's a socialist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, it could be, you know, like, in any case, you know, there's, you know, food, you know, that's overabundant and they have everything they need, so... Yeah, yeah, it's just you know a matter of organization, but uh, yeah, I, I wonder, I wonder. Yeah. I think it's still I'm, up in the air.
0: Like, I mean, just as a basic example for currency, like uh, another big reason <laughs> currency exists is for trade between you know countries and things. Like, what's the why would they need to have any exports or trade? Like, they have a self-sustaining economy. So,
2: well, yeah, I was is you know, like at some point, you know, some guy who's doing a job, he wants to buy food, so. How do they know you know you know what I mean you need yeah. to have some kind of you know way to say compensate for the work done and the stuff you buy with it so sure I well, don't I mean, know it, it depends on how it's organized
0: like yeah. like i said there's there's no proof one way or the other here. It's just a, a stray thought I had in terms of how the society was being organized since since we are exposed to certain aspects of the day to day life, yeah uh, I wondered how how that aspect economy would be
2: affected. It hey, probably won't even be discussed. It was just something I thought about. Uh, well, you know, I, I think we'll actually get some uh, some insight into into this, into how it works. Hmm. I think we will get some eventually. You know, even if it's not like in the next episode or anything like that, I I think we'll get some uh, some info on it. You know, like just you know, maybe not super detailed, but you know, a mm-hmm. few details, yeah. <clears throat>
1: I mean, it actually of, makes me think, like, they wouldn't have money just because it would be one of the things that, you know, you would have a character say, where like, oh, we don't have money here, you know, <laughs> like for the, you know, the perfect ideal, you know, sort of society. Yeah. Star like Trek the, society. Yeah, the utopia where it's just like,
0: oh, we just help each other. <laughs> because
1: <laughs> It's like, oh, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a meritocracy.
1: This will be something that guts, you know, raised by Gambino will not understand. You know, he'll <laughs> be like, "Oh my yeah. god, this is this is wrong."
2: <laughs> well, if it was a meritocracy, you would, you know, you would have people who are worth more than the others. So you know, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, it would actually more be a fucking communist, you know, society. You know, <laughs> yeah, we well, are like only Even if
0: <laughs> he always was a radical.
2: Yeah, well, that that would mean he would also be, you know, among the people, which uh, I guess is probably not going to be the case. Yeah, (laughs) we we may as well discuss that now. And like, there's this implicit
0: segregation throughout this whole episode, and and it could just be a matter of the, the narrative technique he's using in terms of just showing us this part of the city. And then, but there's this huge aspect of the city where it is completely walled off and, and Rickert needs an invitation to get in to see Griffith. Yeah. It's like a very formalized thing. Like here, this gets you past those big ass walls to the other part of the city. Like, well, well what's back there? Why, why, why is, is this? This is probably the human part of the city, I'm assuming, since we see no apostles anywhere in the streets or at least visible that we know of.
2: Yeah, and he and he gets papers like he gets a pass for the castle and then he gets audience papers. So it's not yeah. like you know like I gotta it's see a, Griffith. It's a, he needs two. Yeah. So yeah, Griffiths is not, you know, easily accessible. But you know, I mean that makes sense. He's, you know, like magic emperor Griffiths now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well at the but same time, even for all this magic and everything in the you know, the ideal utopia, it's still like oh my god, what a bureaucracy. <laughs> I need Really, I need two oh, God, papers. Yeah, yeah. you could have just <laughs> put
2: it on one. Needs a sealed scroll, you know. Like you know, you need another scroll. Sorry, did you did you fill the form? <laughs> <laughs> Man, the Behirat apostle got gypped. This
0: is no perfect world. There's still paperwork, <laughs> yeah. and billing, maybe. So people probably still have tax forms, W twos. Yeah, we need to start over. We need to re- fix the world again. Let's go I, back. I, I, to- I, <laughs> yeah. What, what, what was your plan, Ganishka? Again, all right, to scar this stained world? Well, does that involve paperwork?
2: Um, that seems appreciate- a more
1: natural state of things. Yeah,
2: Ganish- yeah. Ganishka only signed in blood.
0: <laughs> I appreciate the promptness of everything. We talked about the documentation, but uh, and, and it could be an effect of the, the way the story is edited, but they literally, they arrive on the same page that they arrive. They're given temporary housing. Rickard's set up with a job and he's given his paperwork for the orders for the next day to go meet Griffith, all on uh, you know, a page. So it kind of implies that the order of things has already been solidified in, in terms of how the, the, the city operates. What's interesting system. about it
1: is that, you know, they already, you know, it's all been taken care of before they even got there. And it doesn't seem like it took them that long to get from, you know, outside the walls to In there, and Griffith already has like the meeting set up with him. Yeah, like, was yeah, so this, a, thing, was this yeah. appointment set before Griffith's men even you know ran into you know Rickard's party, <laughs> like,
0: yeah, arrangements were made in advance. Yeah, I wonder about that line as well. Like, if he was expecting him, all well, probably would be expecting him, but
2: well, yeah, yeah, the thing is, you know, it seems like you know, Raban, you know, like even when Raban went out, he already knew you know Griffith was among them or something like that. It's weird because. The people, yeah, the papers the were already planned, like. Right, yeah. Um,
0: you know, the other part, of the, the other big part of this episode, of course, you know, the whole episode is busy, 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 busy. And there's this panel with Rickert when it's just white around him. Yeah. You know, it's like a, like a moment of focus for the episode. Kind of the emotional focus of it is, you know, how he's going to react around Griffith, how he, what he's going to say to Griffith. There's just so much atmosphere and tension in the air between those two uh, and has been probably the, the focus of the, the majority of the discussion on the active thread right now is about that, about what that meeting is going to be. Like, what do you guys think the possibilities are? What are the potential outcomes of that meeting?
2: Well, um, Griffith, you know, Ricard won't be, you know, horse, uh, I don't think he will antagonize Griffiths.
1: I don't think he'll be comfortable, though. I think yeah. that's mainly. I mean, that's what we're seeing here, and that's what we're, you know, and that's I think what Griffith is going to sense. And if I think if anyone breaks the ice, it's it'll probably be Griffith, you know, pointing out. So, you know, I guess God's told you, you know, his version of, of events. <laughs> you know, actually, you know, I wonder. Thing.
2: I wonder but, if you even be talking about that, you know, like about that time, or if you just say, you know, or, so you see,
1: or if he'll just, you know. Look at how perfect this city is, and our dream. Look at it's our dream, Rickard. If you, yeah, he might just take that tack. That would be more disappointing. Yeah. No, I am. I'm going with what I what I hope, hope, hope happens.
0: It will so be we interesting to a real conversation. It will be interesting to see if Griffith is detached or not. You know, we, we see him speaking to Rickard mm-hmm. in Volume 22, and and he seems, you know, more or less kind of acting like his own self. But of course, he's femto. I, I do wonder what kind of face he'll be wearing. Uh, I don't think he'll quote unquote kind of drop the mask in terms of his personality. He doesn't have to be. I mean, this is this is this is a small fry conversation for Griffith.
1: Well, yeah, than, you don't. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily want him to. I mean, if you're Rickard, yeah. because maybe the if you yeah. drop the mask, it's Femto instead of <laughs> you know, like maybe he was still wearing the mask when he was talking with uh, Rickard and Guts on the Hill
2: of Sword. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, seeing his when Femto drops the mask, just you know, he has no expression under it. So yeah, it's, it's more. It's more like you know, yeah. You know, his face actually looks like a mask. When you see him, like, talk to Ganishka or Skull Knight, you know, he barely, you know, like, it feels like he's just moving his lips, but other than that, he's just completely expressionless.
1: Well, yeah, I He think, doesn't have any regard for anything.
0: Yeah. I always think of the very first image we see of him after he's been incarnated in volume 21, uh, the very first picture of his face, that big, long uh, one-page shot of It, it looks alien yeah. and completely stoic, no emotion, you know. <clears throat> anyway, that's called, it's all tangential to say. Basically, yeah, I don't think Rickard's gonna cut Griffith up in a, a new one. You know, the 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 atmosphere here between these two characters. He's he's scared. He's uh, wary of this whole situation, and and so. Yeah. But the other part of that equation, which is is you know protecting Erica, which we see you know solidified at the very end of the episode. Him looking at her to me kind of seals the deal. About where, what his decision is going to be. I absolutely love this last page. Actually, Um, his,
2: his face on the page looks like Griffiths to me. You know, it's very, you know, it's very eerie. He has an eerie look. You know, it really reminds me of Griffiths as a kid. Maybe it's because he has his, uh, you know, hair hair. thing. Yeah, yeah, it might be. uh, Yeah. But you know, the look, the way, the way it's done is, you know, eerie to me. But But, I just
0: absolutely love this page. And in terms of what it's accomplishing here, you know, we see Eric, how we see him covering up Eric. He has, he has this look on his face. It looks—I mean, we, we talked about the resemblance of Griffith in terms of the hair and stuff, but it, it actually made me think about Guts and Casca. About Rickard found something to protect, and that's what he's kind of reflecting on here. That he's happy yeah. that he's—he's yeah. he's, he's happy that she's safe and and and, and you know in a, a safe environment. I have to imagine them being on the road for so long. That's kind of what is in his head right now. That he finally yeah. found a place for her to rest her head. But then. <clears throat> But then you have this shot of him looking super wary outside the window up at this foreboding structure and he knows what's ahead, you know. So just all, all of this accomplished completely without dialogue. And that's what I love about this page. It's absolutely
1: gorgeous. Well, what's great about it is this, it's this foreboding foreshadowing, but it's done, the, what fuels it is sort of this sweet moment where, you know, yeah. you can see that how precious that she is to him and, you know, that is mm. something he wants to protect and that's when he looks, you know, and obviously that's something that's on his mind and supposed to be on our minds as he meets with Griffith.
2: Yeah, it makes me think of what, the, you know, like the girls, you know, tell, you know, Erica when they're in the, in the bathhouse, you know, where, you know, she she mistakes... You know the one that's not Luca, which doesn't really have a name. You know, and she mis- she thinks you know Ricard is her brother, and she says he's not. And the girl is like, oh, you know, and she's you know, yeah, she- she's curious like oh, And what what is he, you know? And uh yeah, it's interesting to see their relationship. You know, how how fond Griffith- Ricard has become of you know Erica.
0: Yeah, which she is a- doesn't seem to have aged very much. I noticed that in just a several panel she doesn't maybe she maybe she aged a year, but she still looks like she 's like thirteen or so you know was yeah yeah
2: really well there's one thing that Pes and I talk about is the fact she 's very small, you know she 's very short sure so I think you know even even when she grows up like I think she 's going to remain short, and so that that makes her look you know still very young, maybe maybe more than she really is, but yeah she doesn't seem evan Ricard, they don 't seem to have aged all that much, you know I, I think that could be a clue to. How much time has actually elapsed, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the other thing about
0: that page I wanted to say is, uh, this is kind of our look into the city, but throughout all of those two page spreads, the camera was kept low uh, effectively, you know? We didn't yeah. see that big wide shot of Falconia's uh, wings. Oh, or that aspect of the palace. I'm I'm calling it the palace. I don't actually know what's back there, obviously. I'm assuming the palace is one aspect of what's beyond that wall. I just don't know. But
2: The the big ball, you know, the sphere of energy, you know. Yeah. Totally. Actually, I I think palace is a good name for it because it reminds me of, the, you know, the palace in uh, Zelda 2, you know, the final (laughs) giant thing, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, with the columns, it's exactly the same thing, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The drapes, you know, the giant drapes, you know, maybe it will be like that. I don't know. I hope they don't revive, uh, Ganon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Wow. is gonna fight, you know, Shadow Link, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, you know, that, that brings me to actually a, a, a real point is that what might, you know, have a, a big impact on <clears throat> Rickett and Griffith's meeting in the surroundings, you know, like, you know, what the room will be like, you know, is it gonna be the throne room or will, will there be people there? Will Charlotte be there? You know, will Force be there? Who is it going to be? Like, it could be very, you know, it could go in many different ways depending yeah. on what the setting is. Like, if it's a, you know, I don't know, I don't think it's going to be a giant, dark, ominous room, you know, steeped in darkness, and anything like that, and desert, you know, but, you know, depending on what it is and who is there, it could be, like, I think Griffiths could be distant or very warm, you know. There's actually a lot of possibilities, you know, depending on that setting.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, so, it could be a very official sort of, you know, yeah. I mean, in a way, it could be our introduction into, you know, the court life, you know, where, yeah, we'd see his place with Charlotte and all that. And it would be that would make it, you know, extra awkward for record. But I've been imagining something more intimate between the two, whether it's in the throne room or, you know, I guess everyone's sort of imagining the throne room. Or it could be a more, you know, sort of yeah. personal or intimate quarters a, of Griffin. the side
2: office. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah of course.
0: Yeah. I, the The big question for me that I keep coming to is if he like you said you guys have already been discussing if he'll address him in front of everyone or if he'll not order everybody out but kind of take him aside and have a personal moment with him you know mm. i mm. kind of think they are cuz it's been two episodes they've been building up this conversation between them i imagine it's going to be a one to one thing but i don't know that could be wrong
1: i mean the, it would the wor- i mean I, I don't know if it's the worst case scenario but if you brought him into the throne room with every you know all the you know ministers and charlotte everyone sitting there basically asked him for his loyalty you know on the spot yeah. No like no conversation <laughs> to sort of, you know, you know, warm with, things up between them.
0: That would be a little weird. With Why Zod like bouncing his baton in his other hand, you know.
1: <laughs> Z- Zod is, you know, like yeah, slapping the you know, the back of his sword on his palm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, you know. <laughs> wearing the executioner's
0: mask. <laughs> I do wonder if we'll see Zod if he'll be like passed out somewhere in the palace drunk or something like that. That would
2: be nice. <laughs>
1: I imagine Apostle he'd be life. standing somewhere with his arms
0: crossed. You know? Yeah, all well, fucking A, of course. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, with a look of disapproval on his face, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the All these proceedings. Yeah. You
0: know, it's something I actually had not considered really specifically until now is, <clears throat> is Zod really going to be satisfied, you know, well, with this state of things?
2: Yeah, I don't think if I posted it in the thread or if I talk to you about that. But, you know, the thing is, yeah, Zod, no... He's living the life Guts refused when he left the you know band of the Falcon way back then. You know, like he's yeah. being the the right hand man. You know, just doing nothing all day long. You know, just standing guard over the king. Uh, great life. Yeah, it's not really it's not something yeah. put out. I right? mean,
1: it's an even worse life for for Zod. Really, just because it's like he's you know so. Tri- I mean, Guts was above that sort of life of leisure, but I mean Zod, I mean, really would have no use for it, not being a human. So yeah. I mean, I don't know, and uh so it's interesting i mean do you think do we think he's you know like the captain of the guard, or is he more <laughs> like you know or would that be more of a human role, and he's like you know the leader of whatever sort of apostle underbelly there is of this society, and he probably goes out at night and you know gets to do something that would probably be more enjoyable for him too, you know, dealing well, with you know you know the creatures see- out there.
2: <laughs> Yeah, I think we we saw Irvine, you know, out there in the woods, you know, hunting down yeah. stuff, and I, I can't help but feel like Zod is going to go out and fucking wrestle a dragon, you know. Yeah. like yeah. you know, he he spent uh, you know centuries fighting humans, and yeah, he's just done. Like these are just you know, and even apostles are not much to him. So yeah, he's gonna go out and fight giants, you know, everything. I, I think I, I can't help but imagine, you know, imagine he's going to be you know doing things like that. The Castle Life, you know, Captain of the Guard.
1: It would make sense that it's his ideal, too.
2: Yeah. And and he actually could be, you know, like, you know, Captain of the Guard or, or something like that, you know, while still doing these things. Like, it's just a title. But, uh yeah, he'd probably be, I don't know, like General of the Armies or some something of the, of the sort, you know.
0: I think Locos would be a more appropriate Captain
2: of the Guard. Yeah, that's right.
1: Well, it'll be Sorry, interesting for- to see if uh, we even, like, you know, is... Are Griffiths, are all his visible sort of people going to be humans, I wonder? You know, and the apostles, they're there, but, you know, they'll always be, like, in the background and meeting Mm. with Griffith in the the war room, you know, sort of a thing, you know. But they're not actually going to, you know, stand around,
2: you know, as figureheads because, you know. Well, the thing is, you know, like, we've got a few guys – who are, like, they can, how to say, they're presentable. But also all the, yeah. you know, the low-level apostles who are just, they are not, what could they do in the war room? You know, they're just good to kill and eat <laughs> or, stuff, like, in rape. <laughs> another, you know, that's... that's everything
1: idea. so big in Falconia so Grunbeld and the giants can, you know, like, walk through the palace? You know, yeah. like, yeah. like, another explanation.
2: You know, I guess, I guess the apostles are part of the rape guild, you know, like the mm. the slaughter guild, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh kind of we we jumped ahead to what's happening next cuz we're
0: both um, all all three of us are very you know eager to see what happens next the, the, the way the episode ends and knowing that there's still a couple weeks to go we're all clamoring to see more obviously but to kind of go back to when we first see uh Luca and her little troop yeah, i had the impression and first of all it's great to see returning characters and i said in the thread you know among all the sub characters i think her story makes the most sense to transplant into falconia right. Because yeah. as she says herself, you know, they they're, they're she, they can make a living wherever there's a need. And this is, you know, a burgeoning town. It makes sense for them to be here, basically. Although introducing her in this way, it really made me think about how Mira's beginning to bring back this cast, this cast at this time. Like to me, I just got the impression and maybe it's overreaching that by doing this, by, by calling back into his deck, he's kind of setting up the end scenario. He's pulling it from his back catalog to start creating the cast that'll be here for the rest of the series. You know, solidifying all these threads that he's cast throughout the whole series. He's tightening them in one place.
2: Well, yeah, of course, yeah. I think it's uh, it's clear we're over the <clears throat> the edge of the mountain now. You mm-hmm. know, and like everything that's been opened, I think I think it will really start closing down with Elfen. Uh, you know, that's the last you know, thing. Yeah, we're definitely past
1: the halfway point. That's that's
0: as far as i will go. <laughs> I do think that this is mm. setting up for the end scenario. Now, wh- yeah. how many years that is? I don't know, but narratively, that all that all clicks into place for me.
2: Yeah, and the thing is, like, it's not like there couldn't be more small things, you know, like s- small parts of the story where you know you meet somebody like Ismael, stuff like that. I expect you know these things to still happen, but yeah, it's mostly just a matter of. You know, from the global perspective, things are going to start converging now and focusing. You know, I think, you know, from Elfm it will start converging. And yeah. you guys and everything, like, they'll have to have the impetus to, to go back and, you know, the final, you know, confrontation while everything.
1: See, it's hard for me to actually imagine things coming together like that, you know, like the, the final Berserk, you know, like arc and chapter and episodes, you know. I mean, Whoa. to me, it's like, yeah. it's, you know, we've been in the middle for so long. It's hard for me to think of it as anything but the middle, you know, yeah. all the time. You know what I mean? Like, I feel sure. like this is just, you know, or this is, well, this is just the beginning. You know, Fal- you know, Fal- Griffith just got his crown. Uh, you know, it's just here. We've got a, it's barely established. You know, we need at least, you know, 30 more
2: volumes of, you know, yeah. this wow. material of the yep. world in this order. The thing is, you know, actually, the thing is, you know, I always wonder, you know, thinking back about what Mira said, you know, when we sent him a letter, you
1: know, like the relationship.
2: And yeah, the thing is, you know, I I wonder, I'm almost afraid it might go too fast, you know, like no, I know that might sound you know crazy to people who's who are always asking, you know, ah, let's you know hurry it up, let's you know. But the thing is, yeah, it almost feel like it could be too fast to me because I I would like to explore that world, you know, like. You know, Berserk has taken place in, you know, specific place in the stuff and like the world now is, is huge and, you know, there are many more things to explore and, uh, it would almost be, you know, disappointing if it, you know, ended too quickly. Like, you know, I don't know if, you know, Guts went from Elfham directly back to Falconia, you know, with a trick, you know, like, you know, the Skull Knight or the tree branches or whatever. So, you know, it, it almost would feel like, you know, a waste, but. We know that Murak and he can speed things up a lot when he feels like it. Yeah, totally. like sometimes, sometimes he takes his time. Sometimes he speeds it up, and I just wonder who it will be. But yeah, just to go back to what Griffiths was saying, actually, even though I have I would say, an idea of how things will progress, but to think about actually what the you know last chapter will be and the last few episodes will be, just you know, wow, I can't even start you know thinking about it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think it's always. It's always a safe bet to bet on more and longer with Miura because I mean did yeah. you know who saw Ganeshka coming mm-hmm. who saw you know who saw it taking this long for Griffith yeah. to you know when he was reincarnated or Femto was incarnated oh well he's going to take over and then we'll have the final confrontation right. you know or something like that you know and it's like it just it it, it never seems to work that way so I mean <laughs> yeah so I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know if it was more like we're still like in that 65 to 75% mark yeah. even if he is setting up the world for like the, this is definitely going to be probably the, the final setup for the world but i mean maybe not maybe the god hands still have a lot more plots and ceremonies
2: or things in store for us he actually said itself you know that he tends to like he, he has implied in the past that he tended to how to say, uh, make things longer than the, you know, where, well, like that he originally planned, you know, like any, it, it's shown with the Golden Age Arc and many other, you know, things where he just, well, when he gets going, I guess he just, he's, he's in the floor, he's in the zone and he just, you know, do, does it, does more.
0: Yeah. He yeah, specifically I mean, mentioned the, the golden age in one of the interviews is, is it went a little longer than he planned, but he said <laughs> yeah. he'd be charts out big events, but then he day to day, he's just thinking of the daily task. He's not thinking about every moment is not planned into the big picture. He's just doing his day daily yeah. work. And then it fits into this overall structure that he's created. Yeah. Kind of go back to what you just said earlier, Azil, in terms of like, you know, what we see of the story beginning to be tied together and uh, there's probably more variables out there that we don't know about yet, you know. Yeah. And if you put together the active story beats, it seems clear wh- wh- how things will progress. But from Elfel, you know as well as I do, I'm more, more more talking to our listeners. But there's a lot of things that could open up from that meeting in LFL, you know. Yeah. As far as the variables inherent to the story.
2: Of course. Well, you know, just to name two things that came into the story recently with uh, some kind of a low focus but could play a role that we still don't know about. There's uh, the mana, you know, that uh, yeah. was introduced, you know, with Isma and everything, which were just, you know, like just at the bottom of the page, you know, but I, I have an idea it will play a role, you know, uh, maybe a big role even, you know, uh, later on. And there's, uh, the crystals, you know, for Falconia, you know. well yeah, so just these crystals, you know, these, you know, crystals will look like, you know, Falcon wings. No problem. So these Metry. things, you know, yeah, you know, these things that are just there, you know, it could, you know, it could go a long way, you know, some things, you know, maybe they're just details and some could go a long way. And I think, yeah, of course, in L film, you know, I always picture film as some kind of uh, volume 24 on steroids, you know, where mm-hmm. we learn many, many things, you know, maybe even get flashbacks, you know, like. Who knows? Flashback about the skull knight, you know, and uh, so many things. You know, <clears throat> from a personal level, you know, we've got and Casca and everything, and also, you know, as far as the world is concerned, and you know how it works, what Far entails, maybe even, you know, some insight into what the god ends, you know, one, one, Madus. So it's there's a lot of lot of things.
0: Yeah, it is really exciting just to consider where we are in the series, and I, that's how I started this episode. Was basically saying, you know, this is a, a promised moment. But you know, kind of doubling up on that. I never truly expected to see Geyseric City like this, you know. And, and I know we talked about how it's been changed and modified somewhat, but but to see it like this, though, it's pretty exhilarating for a big Skull Knight fan. Anyway, um, continuing on the episode, uh, there's a stable, a mysterious stable man. I, I love how this is revealed about how you don't see his face at first. It's a guy in a hood. And I actually immediately was suspicious about who this is going to be, but within the next page, it's very obvious. It's, it's (laughs) Daiba, you know, with his big ass beard and his dreadlocks are hidden somewhere behind that somehow. But uh, yeah, Yeah. he's wrangling the horses and I mean, honestly, I was, I was taken aback by how happy I was to see Daiba back. Like just. I, I think he was a really cool guy, and it's just by surprise. And not
1: concealing himself whatsoever, like oh, really yeah. his his disguise, and then you know using magic just immediately on the horses, where it's like you know he's yeah. if he thinks he's hiding, he's not doing a very good job. And the yeah. whole scenes,
0: the whole scene's comedic too. Like I didn't quite catch that in my first reading yeah. of it, I'm just glancing through it. But what happens, of course, is they are putting their stables away, and then who I have to assume is uh, Garuda, the other stable. It cries out, and then it scares everyone. They're wondering what it was. And then Daiba wanders over there, and he starts complaining to it, like, I just fed you, you know. It's a nice <laughs> little moment.
2: Yeah, well, it's because every time he brings in new horses, the thing, you know, <laughs> like, he sees them at praise. Yeah, and and actually, Luca even tells, you know, uh, Eric and Ricard not to go, you know, close to that, you know, barn, because oh, yeah. the thing, it's humans. So, like, it's only Daiba. He's the only one who can, you know. Right. but uh, but yeah as a away he's pissed at it you know it's, uh, it's pretty funny <laughs> yeah I mean I'm just glad that
0: I mean I always figured of course Diva would play a bigger role I mean he did survive after all I remember that was back in back in 304 or 305 We were wondering did Diva survive that and of course he did
2: well, yeah we, we saw, was the yeah thing. saw
0: we saw the little garuda flying around yeah but yeah. I guess I mean like I've been anxious to see what his role would be in this new world you know but to yeah, see like where was he gonna land? Them,
1: Right. Kind of the, the thought.
0: To see that he's in Falconia, to see that Miura clearly has a role for him and that it, it seems to be a subversive one in, in terms of him, you know, hiding, uh, and we can, we can talk about his motivations for that, but just the fact that there is this, you know, mysterious old man living in a stable that knows magic, it's a pretty cool setup. I, like, I, I mean, like yeah, this, with
1: it. I mean, this could be like its own story. I mean, you know, if it yeah. wasn't part of Berserk, like it's, it's just that interesting that they have this as a little aside here. Yeah. Even if he just says it as a joke, it's it's a lot of fun.
0: Sure. I mean, in terms of his motivations, though, like there was a lot of discussion in the thread about you know why he's hiding. Well, it's, I mean, there's a number of reasons why he would be hiding. I mean, this was this was probably Ganishka's biggest supporter. You know, uh, he ruled a lot of his other men by fear, but I, I never got that impression with Daiba. But the way he talks to him. In volume 34, it always seemed like Daiba really believed in him, you know?
2: They were partners in crime, you know, and they benefited from each other. Like, you know, a lot of things Daiba did, he did – he could only do because of Ganishka, And, and you know, similarly, Ganishka, you know, is an apostle because of Daiba. And, you know, most of his knowledge, you know, the astral world and stuff like that must come from Daiba as well. So he was really – he's right-hand man. And like I say, yeah, they're they're just partners in crime, you know, so – uh, yeah, I, I think there's no doubt he, that he <coughs> Even he when Ganeshka
1: was us. angry with him, you know, he like, and he, you know, he zapped him with a lightning bolt. It was like, you know, like sort of the bumbling, <laughs> like criminals, yeah. you know, or kooks, you know. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> I told you, you he, like, don't do this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he whapped him on the back of that. you know, he sort of like disciplined him, you know, but like everyone, you know, Ganeshka usually just kills, you know, when he's upset with someone like that. So, you know, I mean, yeah. it just goes to show, you know, and even when, you know, Ganishka was, you know, transforming himself for the second time and Daiba, you know, you know, that's who he was confiding in and telling about it. And, you know, Daiba was obviously the one who was, you know, kind of concerned for, you know, his his master, but also his, you know, someone who was his, that he's mentored in another sense, you
2: know, like a pupil. So it's even in the end, you know, he's the one he was calling upon, you know, right. When he had transformed, you know,
0: Daiba, Daiba. Yeah. It's a sad story, really, uh, in, in context of everything. And I mean, on top of that, on top of that relationship, on top of the fact that, you know, his, his old master's body became the, the world spiral tree, which govern, you know, oversees the entire place. You know, he was wary of apostles and humans working together. He was terrified of what this new world would be, you know. And so under those circumstances, it makes sense that he would be in hiding, at least, I mean, whether he's gathering intel or knowledge about what he's going to do next, I don't know. But I mean, it seems pretty clear he's not 100% with it like everybody else is here, you know?
1: Well, the irony is that it strikes me at the moment, actually, that he is a human who was working in concert with an apostle. So it's kind of funny that he's he's so horrified by this because it's like, well, wait a minute, that was you. So I guess he just thinks it's weird that it's the norm, you know, because it was, I mean, I guess it was something, you know, to his mind. He knew that this is taboo. Well, maybe yeah. it's
0: different for. I mean, Deba is a really special case because, I mean, yeah, he's a sorcerer in his own way, but he has such a tie and an affinity for apostle and pos- knowledge of apostles in that part of the world. He's really like a. I mean, essentially like a black magician to, to some extent. Anyway, um, in terms of what's going to happen next with Deba, I don't know, uh, but really excited to see that he has a role uh, still and, and to see him again so soon i thought it would be years and years later we'd see him uh.
1: well considering that you know griffith knew rickert was coming to town before you know oh, yeah. he even this was on his way basically and we also i mean you know, jumping back a little bit to you know jareth and what they said about you know obviously sonya you know seeing things in the world and them reacting and going out to it you know there's a good likelihood that they know he's in the city and just you know you know he's welcome as long as he you know keeps to his role as the stableman. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't you know try anything you know foolish. But I mean I don't know maybe he's he could actually if anyone could I mean he could maybe know a way to conceal himself.
0: Yeah, well I mean you have to also consider take into account the Wingstones keep magical creatures out as well. Well, how did he get Garuda in there?
2: Yeah, maybe maybe a you know but well he was already you know like he was already there. He landed before they emerged. Yeah, was
1: maybe sadly he can't fly out because of the wings.
2: Yeah. the thing is, you know, yeah, the 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 city, you know, appeared, you know, right, you know, on top of, you know, on top of him. So I think he could, you know, just, you know, go in there, you know, and hide, you know, before the crystals were even, you know, brought brought in. Right.
0: We'll move on. This bathhouse scene essentially sets up. You know, what Erica and Rickert had been doing over the past, I'm assuming like a year or so, and they describe their journey here and how they each saw a dream of the Falcon and were driven there basically or, you know, urged to go there through their dreams. But, uh, what I wanted to point out with this, what's interesting about this character relationship is, these are both two characters that had cared for Casca. That were, you know, very close to Casca, and now they're meeting indirectly, without, of course, bringing up that character relationship. I just think it's it's nice that Mira has tied these characters together in that way, without even acknowledging, you know, that part of their history together.
2: What characters do you mean?
0: Uh, Erica Luca, and Luca. Yeah, oh, exactly. Well, they both they both okay. cared for for Casca, basically.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's because you were mentioning about the dream, but you know, uh, Luca didn't have the dream.
0: Right. Well, does she not? I don't think she, does she explicitly say she didn't?
2: No, but it's the kids who did. You know, when, uh, right. Erica right. talks right. about it, it's, uh, it's the kids. Mm-hmm. So, she had it as well, of course, being led by the Falcon to the capital city. Mm-hmm. To which, you know, the the girls say, you know, they are familiar with, uh, this kind of events, you know. They are more familiar than that, you know. <laughs> they, they detail their own journey and stuff like that. I really thought that they've
1: seen both sides, you know, they've seen a city leveled, you know, in this manner. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's interesting the way, you know, they they were, you know, driven out. First, they were driven out by the Hundred Years War, then the Great Famine, then there was, of course, you know, Albion, and then they fled from the Cushions and, you know, monsters. So they they really had, you know, quite a life, I guess.
0: And, And Luca in particular, you know, Apart from everyone else in this entire episode, you know, she, I think if I'm correct, you know, she was there for Griffiths or Femto's incarnation. She saw that figure emerge, did she not? I mean, she was there, right? Yeah, she was there. So she has a completely different, uh, although I understanding. Mean, of I things. think they might have been farther away. I couldn't remember off the top of my head where they were. I don't
1: think they were like on the the ground floor. Floor. I think Jerome was, but I think they were like a little bit more. I remember when the when she, the, she, the tower she's collapsed.
2: She they were was looking with, at him farther away. She's, you know, uh, Jose, they're captured, you know, together. There's Jerome, you know, Luca, Nina, Farnese, Azan, everybody, you know, they get captured by the cushions, then Zod emerges, and okay. you know, after, after that, you know, Griffiths is born. So the thing is, uh, she, she's there. She, you know, Nina and Jerome, and, uh, with the others, they all see Griffiths. But, you know, I mean. Was it the other girls that were farther away, or did they, am I just misremembering? Yeah, I are girls. The other girls are not there, so okay. I don't well, – I'm not sure exactly why they are in that scene. I think they they might have been, you know, yeah.
0: I would yeah, have Luca's to check.
2: There. Luca sees him.
1: And then they meet up later. Okay, it's, and that's when they yeah. – and then it's, she's it's, left waiting and and until we found her here, waiting among to come the, back into the series.
0: Among the characters that are there, Jerome, Luca, and Nina, and of course, Guts party. So just reference. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, uh, it did make me think about her role in the future and, and what her, what, what's kind of running through her head. What does she think of this place? I mean, obviously she seems to be accepting it wholeheartedly. She has a job, a great bathhouse. A place for her people to work. I'm assuming they're still prostitutes. Uh, I have to imagine they no,
2: are. No, I don't think so, actually. No, no. From what oh, you yeah? said, yeah, you know, Luca is in, uh, in charge of the, uh, some Bad kind problems. of lodging place, you know, no, no, she, she actually, she's in charge of that lodging place, uh, temporary oh, lodging okay. place. I think, you know, I'm not sure he's, a, uh, We're not told whether the bathhouse is part of that or not, but given the size of it, you know, when you see the halls, I'm assuming it's just some kind of public thing where they just, you know, go. She tells, you know, when they arrive, she tells Erika that after the meal, she should meet her at the back gate and, you know, she'll show her a cool place and, you know, they go there. So I'm assuming it's just some kind of, you know, public thing. She's just, you know, at least she's managing the lodging place and I don't know if that's part of it. And in any case you know she mentions that you know what's says she uses some expression saying they have been you know what says their minds and bodies were you know dried up you know after all these events and you know her you know uh friend you know says you know she comments on it and then she has this little aside thing of she said oh yeah you meant you know like you meant that so i i you know i assume it refers to their you know walk as prostitutes and i don't i don't think they are doing it anymore you know, she's she's managing that lodging house, and I think the girls are, you know, helping her as, you know, just, you know, house meds or, you know, maids. The Falcon and doesn't that allow stuff. that
1: kind of thing in his city. He's, you know, <laughs> well, he's a Puritan. Yeah. <laughs> like. oh,
2: anyway, f- from what they say, it doesn't seem to be the case.
0: I'm,
1: I'm glad there's you— no,
0: There's no money, so, I mean, that's a problem. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because I haven't really read a, a great translation yet, so that's, uh, that's good to hear. Uh, although, you know, re- reintroducing that side of the character cast, I really expect to see Jerome, but I mean, I guess he's somewhere else, you know?
2: Yeah, actually, I'd been thinking about Jerome, you know, and what uh, he must be up to. And I, I don't know. I think, given his rank and uh, the fact he's a soldier, you know, he must be walking, you know, as something like that. So either I don't know, maybe a guard of the city, or you know, going out on a rescue squad with the others, you know, as part of I don't know, maybe Owen Squad or who knows. So, but yeah, I think he's around. I mean, it would be a bit disheartening if uh, Luca just said, oh, well, I ditched this guy. He was just a loser anyway. So.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. do, you think they're, do you think they're married now? Or, you know, maybe yeah, <laughs> Jerome was be- eaten by a dragon. I mean, I'm wondering if anyone's going to have, like, a bad end that yeah, we'll hear it's, about.
2: It's a good question, actually. I, I'd be curious to, you know, and it's just something like it will have no impact on the story. So I'll be curious to see what Mira does with it. But I can't imagine. I don't know. I like this guy. So I hope he's alive. I, I hope he's still around. If there was some kind of tragedy, I imagine it would have been implied
0: at least a little bit in this, in, in yeah. this thing,
2: you know? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Once they mention it, they seem pretty, you know, yeah. how to say. Yeah, they don't seem too down about it, so.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> uh, we've already talked about the rest of the episode, but I don't really have much more to add about uh, 334. But obviously, we've uh, got a lot of excitement built up with the entire Berserk community to see that next Issue and the conversation between Rickert and Griffith. I wonder how revealing it'll truly be. You know, Griffith, you, you worded it well in that it will give us a, a kind of a rare insight into the mind of uh, Femto slash Griffith. And yeah. I, I wonder how much of a glimpse we'll, we'll truly get or if it will simply be his all, his old perfect self, not giving away anything ever, you know?
1: Well, that'll, that'll tell us all we need to know. Oh, <laughs> I that's, right that's there. One. Yeah. Yep. One way or the other. Yeah. You know, one yeah. way or the other. I hope it's, you know, the latter. I hope we get to see another scene, you know, like, I mean, we really haven't seen it since the Hill of Swords. And uh, yeah. I don't know, maybe the closest thing since then was what, when he was eating the sweet cakes or yep. something. But even that was just so, you know, like, that's like the Norman Rockwell version of Griffith, you know, <laughs> like, it's so wholesome, you know, and it's like yeah. you said, it's Mr. Perfect. I want to see him, you know, real talk where, you know, he's just, you know, talking with the record about what happened, <laughs> and, you know, their actual, their actual history together private conversation if
2: it's real talk I think it would you know I don't know end poorly for Rickard, yeah you are not seeing you are not seeing all of you are just worms crowding on the floor
1: that would be that would that would actually be excellent too in its own way if he just yeah. you know turned at some point and was just you know basically you know femto with his demeanor <laughs> and you know basically told him it's like you're you know a worthless you know piece of nothing to me <laughs> like basically what he told Guts in volume 3
2: Yeah, but you know, I don't know. I can't. I can't imagine that happening. It would be funny, but yeah. (laughs) There's one thing you know that's interesting about. Save that for later. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Anyway, there's one thing interesting that uh, the girls mention. You know, in the in the bathhouse is how to say. You know, they say that it's the same for everybody. You know, like you know Erica's story about who, you know they were in the they were in the mountains and trolls attacked and so they moved to a nearby town and then it was attacked by, you know, ogres and so they decided, you know, there had doubts about the rumors of the falcon hero protecting people in the capital city, but, you know, the kids had a dream and so they they all decided to go there and you know, uh, the girl says that it's the same story for everybody like all the refugees, they have All, you know, come to Falconia, you know, being led by the Falcon of Light, you know, the dream of the Falcon of Light. So I I find it interesting, you know, because I I wonder if it's like, if people were selected, you know what I mean? Mm. Or if it's just, you know, everybody or, but uh, yeah, there's a, you know, an implication of you know control you know i find it you know like people you know came because they were told and they're doing what they're told you know to do so i i really wonder who it would be but you know there's you know already this implication you know from the whole city of control you know like it's all controlled all well organized well ordered and uh i i wonder how mira will play with that
1: well, it's also interesting that Griffith is essentially like that these prophecies, you know, these oracles, you know, that visit people. This, it just keeps happening. He's basically dream, yeah. dream spamming people, you know, constantly <laughs> with new, with new offers and instructions. You know, come to Falconia, you know, it'll change your life. And <laughs> it's like, it's just, I wonder, I mean, he has this sort of, it's almost like he, it's almost like he is a modern leader with, you know, television or radio or something, just the way he can transmit, you know, his, yeah, pretty
0: much. His propaganda.
1: policy, yeah, and his platform, you know, across the entire world, you know, he could even, and I wonder if he could even use it, I mean, because it's used so, you know, I mean, I guess bloody liberally, you know, now, you know, everyone in the world is getting updates every day where to go, you know, where, you know, Falcone is concerned. You could he use it as a bully pulpit, you know, like if, uh, if you know, some Elfhelm, uh, group, you know, led by Guts or at least, you know, in concert with him, you know, started to pose some sort of threat, saying like, Oh, there's some, you know, real bad, you know, there's some terrorists, you know, out there that are coming to destroy our way of life, you know, sort of a thing. That would be that
2: would be interesting. It actually reminded me of you know, Bioshock Infinite, you know, where there's this thing about the the false prophet, you know, come to destroy, you know, take away the lamb, you know, destroy city and so You know, I wonder, it would be, it would be fun to see, you know, the people of Falconia all having a dream about guts, you know, like Mm. the, the dark, you know, the, the, you know, the, the the beast, you know, coming to ruin the holy land or something like that, you know, some kind of, you know, biblical, you know, thing. So it, it would be interesting to see something of the sort happening. But I, I wonder, I wonder if, you know, like the, the Falcon dreams, seem to all be pretty specific you know it's always Falcon of Light coming and doing stuff so I, I wonder if, they, if he could you know I don't know broadcast that kind of stuff but yeah it would be you know interesting to see
0: I mean what you guys are talking about the, the, the kind of like a, the a- active updates for controlling the populace like but that's like kind of like one aspect but honestly he, he doesn't even really need such an overt means of control anymore really because I mean we already know he's like the head of state the head of church the head of the people, the head of the army. I mean, he's he's tucked away all the you know centers of power into one person, so it's going to create a cult of personality. Yeah. Even, but, even I mean, if he wasn't supernatural, you know.
1: Yeah, and it's even more than that. Where he's he he has all that, but he's also I mean, even before that, he was essentially God on Earth. You know, yeah. with these yeah. messages were going out, you know, to people and getting you know, moving moving forces, you know, the way he wanted them, you know, getting things to go as he wanted them to proceed.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And the city is modeled after him too. And it's like his city, you know, it's, it's even, it's not called here, but you know, it might as well be, you know, so it's just, you know, he's the ultimate ruler at this point, you know, in every aspect. And yeah, like you said, you know, you know, he doesn't really need to, but he does anyway send out his dreams. So, you know, it's just, you know, how to say he has, you know, I think it's a total way to control. Yeah. Yeah. He has total control in every way possible.
0: Yeah, it makes it makes me wonder if I mean, obviously, at some point it's going to turn. If those wings will start to look a little more terrifying and come to take a different meaning for people. If living within the city walls will become more terrifying. If he has complete control, that complete control could be used, you know, in other ways.
1: I mean, yeah, it's interesting if it's ever going to take that turn, or if it's more about you know if it might be you know amusing themselves to death you know that kind well, of thing like they're yeah. no longer living a, a a fulfilling human life you know they're you know they're in this relaxed setting where they just you know they're supposed to just you know there's monsters outside so never go outside you know and uh only yeah. stay within the city walls and i don't know if that malaise or something has some greater purpose for the godhand or if it is going to cuz we've already seen sort of the overt you know like bodies on fountains you know and crows eating them and monsters that was sort of ganishka's you know version of you know what we thought might be uh you know griffith's version of things you know if if apostles took over the capital so i'm wondering if this you know will stay something different something a little more i don't know philosophical and cerebral in nature you know of how you know awful it is or if it uh i don't know it could even be uh it could even be some political commentary on Muir's part if he, if he so desires, you know, at some point to take it there.
2: Yeah, I think it could be, uh, like you say, it could be about, you know, the absence of freedom or the way people just choose not to, just to live their life as they're, as they're told, you know, in almost, yeah. you know, some kind of nightmarish, you know, I, I wouldn't say communist, but <clears throat> a society that's ruled by bureaucracy and, you know, like where you do what you should do and then you live how you should live and stuff like that. Like you said, don't go out, do that stuff. And I think it could work on the level of that, you know, a whole, uh, you know, a huge part of humanity would then be like under the direct control. Yeah. Of, you know, it's, uh, it's nicely set
1: up, you know, ideologically opposed to sort of what guts, you know, just stands for, not even, you know, like specific, you know, not even statedly just the way he lives his life. You know, it's not even like his philosophy that he would, you know, tell people yeah. it's just how he, how he lives. Mm-hmm. And even how, you know, it's, it's contradictory to Griffith's goal, you know. When he was a human, you know, he wanted to, you know, sort of break the bonds of, you know, the world, you know, the rules for people like him. And now he's created this world where that that rule is so much more absolute. Yeah, really, everybody.
0: <laughs> it's a little hypocritical. Yeah, I mean
1: you're you're literally you go to the processing station and they tell
0: you, well, here's what you're going to do the rest of your life. You know, <laughs> you're,
1: you're a you're a stableman. Yeah. Well, they <laughs> but, take they but, take
0: your aspirations into account as well as what they say. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: um, on the on the other hand, I mean, Luca. I mean, she's a good example of you know the city being you know good for her. It's sort of yeah. looking like you know her her skills have been taken into account and how she's she hasn't been judged you know for her sort of past life, you know, or any sort
2: of, like, stigma that could be attached to oh, her former say, of profession. Know, came around saying, well, I'm pretty good at, you know, doing guys for money. That's my <laughs> well, special... I mean, special you know what I mean?
1: She's, she was able to start over here very effectively, you know, and given yeah. given a task that was suited to, you know, her sort of natural leadership and skills.
2: There's also one thing that's, you know, that's been, uh, how to say, like, they had a life before Albion, you know, they say they were displaced by the... Hundred years war and then the great famine you know that struck you know uh you know in the interim before the kid king died and so I think you know like you know it's very it's very possible that these girls were not always prostitutes, you know like they they, they did what they had to do to survive, but they might have had another life before that, so I yeah. mean, that's just just a small idea, but you know something to to keep in mind, you know like we don't really well, no. know
1: now we have the opportunity to see that at least too we might get you know Lucas' actual like a deep deeper backstory for her at some point but maybe not
0: yeah i was i was pleased to see uh, to hear a little bit more about their backstory that was neat to have that little bit revealed uh i'm I'm way off like base mentioning this now but I, I couldn't get an a word in edgewise when you guys were talking about the future uh and Falcone's role in it but I've always thought it would come down to like a, a a clash of ideologies, uh, what Falcone is being set up to be, the anti-magic, anti-magical creature, and yet the world is, you know, teeming with that life, and we're seeing Guts and everyone else headed towards a place where, you know, that, is, that has been the way of life. Yeah, for I don't you
2: know. think it's uh, yeah I don't think it's even about magic of magical creatures. It's more like it's you know purely human. You know? Sure, yeah, like you know, and there's this you know emphasis you know this uh, yeah emphasis on it. You know, like the way Robin said, you know, a city in which humans can live. You know, like you know, like humans and you yeah. know things like that. And it's, it's this huge concentration. I think it's some kind of you know. It might be, I don't know, that's a bit cliche, but I think it might come to an opposition between like, you know, uh, the megalopolis and the natural order of the world, you know, where, you know, like, you know, this city, what it also does by having people, you know, go there and by having all these, you know, you know, fleeing from critters is they don't really like back in the day, we can assume there were witches and, you know, who knew about the world, the way it worked and people, you know, they still lived, you know, like people lived back then and they sure. weren't, you know, protected by these huge walls. So, I, I get the feeling it's some kind of, you know, how to say, <clears throat> it's some distortion of, of, you know, the natural way of things and by, you know, uh, opposing humans and everything else, it's, uh, yeah, it's setting up some things that's just not good. And I also wonder if we've seen that there are many trolls and ogres and, you know, how to say, aggressive and dangerous creatures who are attacking people. And I wonder if, like, was that Really, whole the world was before, or you know, is the fact that Ganishka took power from down in the you know abyss, and you know uh, that's what rules the world. Did that influence it in a negative way? Like maybe the ratio ratio of bad creatures to good creatures was tipped by that fact. You know, you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Of course that. That's just you know a lot of speculation, but I wonder if you know that was not the case. You know,
0: I actually think you know in terms of the the makeup of the population of creatures outside of Falconia, I think it could still be uh, a good mix and still be oppressive for humans. You know, yeah, even if it isn't completely equal, but I, I guess. What I was going to say was, I mean, I don't. I think it's totally possible that we'll see a scene, like an episode begins, right, and we just see these otherwise benevolent creatures being hunted and exterminated, you know, by you know Falconian forces, by the and, the Falcon squads, you right. know, Like yeah. killing
2: unicorns, you yeah. know. Because, they're all re- yeah. wearing
0: they're all wearing actually, red bandanas, wearing cobra yeah. Kai outfits, that kind of yeah. stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The the apostles, you know, yeah, eating unicorns like the hydra did. Yeah, why yeah. not actually?
0: Yeah. Well, I think maybe the the like you
1: said about like maybe uh, uh, opposing ideologies, magically speaking, it might be the difference between sort of maybe you know what Shirke does, where she makes sort of like you know contracts and yeah. partnerships, and you learn to live in harmony versus you know it's this pure humanism and you bend it to your will, you know, or you you stomp it out or you control it, you know, which maybe that's what the the God Hand ultimately represents, you know, sort of controlling the world and controlling magic. And all so the, those
0: elements, the specifically hu- human-related, you know, the god human domain. control
1: of it, you know, like that they're, you know, they're gonna they're gonna bend it to their will. They're not gonna live with it, you know, sort yeah. of a thing. They're gonna they're gonna isolate themselves and you know segregate themselves from it and control it if anything, and use it, and that'll be and that'll be that. And so because like uh, like you were discussing, and as was saying, you know, there were people that lived, you know. You know, with these creatures in harmony before, you know, that they found some sort of balance, even though there were
0: dangerous creatures. And this is, you know, it's sort of a different thing. I mean, big picture, it makes sense that humans are the God Hand's domain. So it would make sense for them to marginalize anything that's not in their domain. You know, they've made it an enemy, basically. Well, I don't have a lot more for the show. I think we're done with 334. I think we've exhausted what we can say with any real meaning about what's coming up. So we'll end the show here. A little brief one. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks for our reread of volume eight and maybe another topic. And then two more weeks, I think, for uh, a little more than that. Maybe a month or so is uh, 523 is the date for 335. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yep. We'll be back then, guys. And thanks for listening.